Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Organized and Productive podcast. Today, we are talking all about procrastinating, so I'm so glad that you did not put off listening to this episode. See what I did there? (laughs) Okay, so how many times have you put something off that you actually wanted to do? but couldn't seem to get the motivation to do it. So like, this is the stuff that you actually want to do, like goal setting, big audacious goals that you're excited about, but for some reason, you just keep putting it off. This is also those tasks that, you know, are simple to get through, but for some reason, you just put them off and instead go and do anything and everything except actually complete the task. And when you do notice that you're putting it off, you don't know what is holding you back. You can't quite put your finger on it. You know that there's something there that's stopping you from doing the task and you have no idea what it is. Well, it may be something that you can work through and not as big of a deal as you think it is. So for our episode today, we're digging even deeper into one of the mental hurdles that stops us from living our best life, which is the action of procrastination, what causes it and how it relates to imposter syndrome. And because this is a podcast devoted to helping you find organizing and productivity solutions, part of finding a solution is figuring out what caused the problem to begin with. So you don't repeat the same cycles over and over. So today we are focusing on procrastination, which is the root of a lot of the problems and what causes it. And because this is a subject matter that has to do with neuroscience and more of the mental health sector, I wanted to invite a professional that studies this area. So I invited our guest, Susie Castellanos-Hensley, to come talk to us about procrastination and imposter syndrome, which is her area of expertise. As usual, we go right into the conversation with our guest. So let me introduce Susie to you really quick and share why I wanted to bring her in. So Susie is an anxiety and imposter syndrome coach. She holds a PhD, is a master certified coach, a speaker and educator, and trauma-informed. I met Susie a couple of years ago through Clubhouse and other social media platforms, and I absolutely loved how she would communicate about this very important subject matter in a simplified way that us commoners could understand and relate to. I mean, her accolades are all very impressive, but what's really special about her is that she's gone through her own imposter syndrome journey, and the coaching she went through was so impactful to her that she decided to become a coach and then help other people like her. So not only does she have the background, but she also dug even deeper within her own self. And now she brings in the expertise of having gone through it, but then of course, the educational background. She digs deep into the neuroscience and the nervous system to understand how anxiety, fear, and stress responses occur biologically and physiologically. So she gets it. She understands, like I said, the background, but she also has gone through it herself. And I don't know about you, but when you talk about the mental health sector, sometimes it's really nice to know that someone that you're talking to gets it and maybe has gone through their own journey and can give you examples on how they were able to overcome whatever hurdle it was. So I love that she has a balance of both. And So I'm so excited about our conversation. So let's just get right into the conversation. This is pretty much where I start asking her the questions. No time wasted. And I really hope that you enjoy today's podcast episode. Welcome to the Organized and Productive Podcast with the Organized Flamingo. I am your host, Stephanie, a professional organizer and productivity expert. 
Ready to explore the right organizing and productivity solutions for you? Yeah? Well, then let's go. All right. Hello, Susie. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so happy that you are here. I'm really excited about today's conversation. I did not want to put it off any longer. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so excited. All right. So let's get started with the concept of imposter syndrome. So we're we're digging right in. Um, What is imposter syndrome? What is it all about? And how is it related to procrastination? Awesome questions. Well, so thanks for inviting me. So imposter syndrome is what happens when somebody who is striving to achieve something that maybe is a little more challenging, they start to feel uh, like they might not be good enough, they might fail. So there's going to be a pattern of thinking, a pattern of emotions and a pattern of actions and inactions that they take. Uh, You might have thoughts like I'm not good enough to be here. I'm going to get found out. I don't belong. I have to get it right the first time. The emotions that you end up feeling are anxiety, fear, panic, and shame. And then a lot of the actions and inactions are going to be, um, it is going to have like an attitude of perfectionism because of that fear. So some of the actions that come out of perfectionism are going to be procrastination or overwork is typically what happens one or the other. Sometimes you go between them. And uh, the other things that you do is because you're feeling all that anxiety, And because you feel shame, you don't tell people how you're feeling. So you kind of keep it hidden because you feel shame. And when it gets to be too much, you start to numb out your emotions uh, because it's just too stressful. So you might do food, alcohol, scrolling, et cetera. Um, The one thing I wanted to say, though, that's interesting is that each of those thoughts and emotions and actions and inactions don't necessarily mean you have imposter syndrome. It's more when you cycle through it and you keep doing it, because what will happen is that for a lot of us, Say you get assigned something new that can be a little bit challenging, you're going to probably have some of that. But if at the end you're like, oh, yeah, I did it. I figured it out. I was procrastinating and feeling anxious and I was worried about it, but I got it done and I feel good. Yay. Then you don't have imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome is when you're done with the thing and the whole time and you don't and you just feel shame because you're like, oh, I barely made it. Oh, I didn't get it. So. And and that's really important because those thoughts and emotions and actions that I mentioned happen all the time when you have self-doubt or anything like there's healthy self-doubt and stuff. But it's when you when you don't ever feel like, yay, proud of myself for for figuring it out. And then you shame yourself. That creates the imposter syndrome cycle. Super interesting. And I think a lot of us can relate to that where, you know, balancing what is the healthy emotions that Mm -hmm. come with. That, that are associated to imposter syndrome are associated, but not directly linked. So what is a good way for someone to know? Okay, you, you mentioned that it's not always imposter syndrome, but like at what point should they ask for help? Or at what point, like what are some of those sy- symptoms that people should be looking out for so that they don't keep repeating the circle? Like at what point can't should they say like, okay, I need to stop even though I'm in it? Like how, how do they know? It's going to have to do with how burned out and how anxious they're feeling. So so most of the time it is it is incredibly normal and healthy for us as human beings and as animals to you know be worried that something may not go well when it's kind of the first time you're doing it. Um, especially when it's something that matters to you where you want to show up well because it matters that you're part of the group. I don't know, it could be baking that cake for your family. You might be worried about it or doing that project at work, whatever that is. 
you're going to know it's a problem if you are burning yourself out either by avoiding it and then doing it at the last minute and then beating yourself up or you're burning yourself out because you're overworking and then you do it and then you're still beating yourself up. And with that, what are some of the common, when does it come up most commonly at work, personal, both? Like what are some of those common places where imposter syndrome shows up and therefore procrastination? So what's interesting is that it has come up in the popular culture and people talking about it. They talk about it more in terms of work situations where you feel like you don't belong. It is definitely something that is seen in minorities, women, things like that, where there's not like a lot of people like them or like us, since I happen to be a woman and a minority. <laughs> but but what it, but the reality is that it's not limited to that. Like it actually can come up with anyone, right? And what'll happen is that it will come up at work if there's sort of this feeling of, I need to prove myself. So it, it, when there's a feeling of, I need to prove myself, they're gonna find out I'm not really good enough it's going to come up at work. And that's something that a lot of people talk about. But, but the reality is that what our brains do in one area of life, they do everywhere. And so what was very fascinating for me is that when I discovered my imposter syndrome, you know, I was thinking about it in terms of work. And then it turned out that I there were things that I wasn't saying or doing even in my marriage. I had a great marriage, love my husband. And then I realized I was acting like an imposter even at home in certain ways. So it, where I was like not saying certain things because I'm thinking, oh, that will make me a bad wife or that would make me a bad stepmother or that will, you know what I mean? Like that was so unconscious that it was showing up there too. So most people talk about it in work stuff, but you're going to see it everywhere because we do the same thing everywhere with our brain. Oh, that's so good. And that's a great reminder. So let's circle back to procrastination, which is kind of the bigger theme here, you know, that we're talking about today. They're related. But for procrastination coming back to it, okay, let's say you you figure out whether it is imposter syndrome or not, but you're still you're the procrastinate the action of procrastination is still happening. Um, what are and like you said, it transfers from business to personal. So, uh, what are some ways that people can? What are some methods or ways that people can fight procrastination? so that it doesn't become this bigger thing like imposter syndrome eventually like can they identify it before it becomes the bigger thing yeah well i will tell you that procrastination can be one of the symptoms of imposter syndrome and that that was you know for me before i knew what imposter syndrome or anxiety were i didn't really know that i had anxiety or that i experienced imposter syndrome till about 2021 but my whole life before that when i was in academia etc i procrastinated a lot and it was because I was feeling anxiety and imposter syndrome. So it can be part of that. It, but the main thing is going to be you want to kind of just look to see if you're shaming yourself. If you want to pay attention to your self-talk and how you're feeling. If you're beating yourself up and you're saying, see, I suck. Oh, I should be able to clean the house or I should be able to deal with those papers. Oh, no, I can't believe I haven't done my taxes, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm get, I, I can't ask anybody for help on this because they're going to think there's something wrong with me. That's sort of where you start to recognize that it's becoming more of a problem because it's it's honestly the shaming of ourselves for not doing those things that locks it in place and makes it a problem. And and that's important to know because the one thing that I tell that that is crucial for anyone who want to feel empowered in their lives is you want to stop shaming it in part because the the big thing is it keeps you stuck 
But the big thing is that when you, it, it doesn't allow you to recognize why we even have these tendencies. Like, why do we worry about not being good enough? Why do we have anxiety and fear? Why might we avoid something? And the reality is like, that's actually how we're designed things to evolution. So we beat ourselves up for something that is not within our conscious control because, because our whole experience uh, as animals, evolutionary is that we are supposed to survive. And when you're a pack animal, if you get kicked out of the of, of the club or the cave or you know a tri the tribe, you're gonna die. Like that literally would happen. So you know the caveman ancestor wars who <laughs> who you know didn't get along with people in his cave. If he got kicked out, he's gonna get eaten by the tiger. And same thing for the one that's out hunting. If 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 he doesn't get along with everybody. They're going to leave them behind. So we have, thanks to hundreds of millions of years of evolution, we are designed to fear that we're not good enough and we're going to get kicked out. And for us, that, you know, having somebody tell us we did something wrong to our primitive brain and to our nervous system, it's just as threatening as somebody putting a gun to your head. Our nervous system cannot tell the difference. So when you understand that, there's no reason to be ashamed. It's just knowing like, oh, it's my nervous system trying to protect me. And when you can drop that, then you can then you can calm down and then use your brain to figure out what you want to do. But it has to do with like you want to really just get that it's not about you. You're not lazy. There's not something wrong with you. It's your nervous system and it's evolution. The mantras that you just meant, I feel like some of what you just said are like mantra. Like these are, the, if you're listening to this, you know, write them, maybe not mantras, but just reminders, like write them down and almost repeat them. Um, this really comes into play in the organizing and productivity space when you're trying to better your life and you feel like it's because I need a new journal or I need to be more organized or I can't remember anything and I'm getting so frustrated. I must you know, I must suck. I must. And then you start shaming, yeah. like you said, and now it's this perpetual feeling that that has nothing to do with that. It's just your defense mechanism, your body telling you, you just have to find, figure out a way that does work for you with that in mind. So since I've, I've seen that in the organizing and productivity space, which is why we're having this conversation. Like, I, I hope that people understand that, that it, it, can be very normal, very normal in that with just a little help, not maybe just a little, maybe a big help, but with just a little push that um, it could be okay. So what would you tell people if they're experiencing the shame, the mm -hmm. perpetual shame, and they are putting things off? And so now it's becoming a problem because, you know, figuratively and literally speaking, it's piling up, whether it's physical, mental, whatever, everything's piling up and you're just procrastinating and delaying the inevitable. What, how would you say that somebody can go ask for help? Should they talk to somebody? Like, how do they begin the process of making it better for making that better? For sure. So at that point, if you're really pretty spiraling in shame and you're feeling stuck, you definitely want to talk to somebody because you, when you're there, you're deaf, you're in fight, flight, and freeze. And procrastination is actually a freeze response. It's like, okay, I'm going to hide and not do it. As opposed to overwork is more of a fight response. It's, it's using the, the sympathetic nervous system, the energy to be like, oh my God, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then we flip and we go, oh no, now I'm not going to do it. I'm going to hide. <laughs> and that, that can happen, right? A deadline is great to put us into fight and, and get the thing done, the thing we've been avoiding. The, the, what I, what you want to think is, you know, it really depends where you're at. If you can hear what 
I'm saying now, I can tell you how to do it. But if you're very stuck, you do want to get help because it's very hard when you're stuck in fight, flight, and freeze to get yourself out without having somebody else there who can tell you, no, really, it's not you. It's your nervous system. It's not you. What you're feeling is absolutely normal. And a lot of it for me, you know, I I had trauma in my early childhood and there was also, you know, just kind of like growing up in our society, there's always a lot of pressure to be successful, et cetera. So it's very easy for us to find ways to shame ourselves for not being smart enough, good enough, making enough money, you know, all of that, right? So we are surrounded by that. And so much of that is being able to have somebody, uh, so it could be a therapist, it could be somebody like me as a coach who understands what's happening with you. The first thing is to unshame it, to be able to have you be witnessed and heard. And this isn't just like nice, you know, kind of woo stuff. This is actually science. The way animals not, create- Not, not just your- not just your friend talking to like a friend. Right. Well, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, you have to find somebody. Da, da, da. And, and, and but the reality is like neuroscience, the way this works is like, say, when animals get triggered and freaked out, the way they create safety is they go back to the pack and the pack invites them back in. The pack, you know, somebody gives them a lick. Somebody it's like that kind of thing. And the, the animal shakes it out. And as human beings, a lot of the time, unlike other animals, we shame ourselves and we tell each other, oh, you should suck it up and stop crying or, you know, you're being lazy or whatever. So it is super important if you want to, like, interrupt that, find somebody you can trust who can really hold space. So a lot of the time that is going to be a coach or a therapist, because a lot of times our friends can't help us. Our friends will try to say, oh, don't be like that just change how you think or no here, just calendar better. That's what people are going to tell you when you procrastinate. Oh, you just need more discipline. So what that does is it totally disregards the fact that you are feeling in fight, flight, or freeze. And no animal can get out of that without another animal helping them see that they're safe. And the only way to create safety is for you to tell yourself, or if somebody else can tell you, you know what? It makes sense that you feel this way. Of course, it makes sense. You're not weird. It totally makes sense. Of course, you're scared of this thing. It's a new project. Let's let you feel that. Because when you can feel the emotion, it will pass within 90 seconds. And it's then that when you can feel the emotion and it passes through your system because it's cortisol and adrenaline, then you feel safe. And then you're like, okay, now how do I want to solve this issue? But it's because we don't ever release that because we don't feel safe to just acknowledge, yeah, I'm feeling overwhelmed by this and I feel like maybe I'm dumb. And then, you know, you want to be able to tell yourself or have somebody else tell you, you know what, that makes sense that you feel that way. It's so normal. It's because you're a human animal. Oh, that, I, I love the way that you explain this. Okay, so let's talk. We just talked about talking to a friend. And obviously, we just use that very loosely as an example of one thing that maybe you wouldn't want to necessarily do. And I don't want to push, like do a big push of don't do this because Hey, there sometimes it, well, you I just know. have to know who the right people are. Like if you, if, if you know, like certain people will be like, Oh, why you, you know, that's not a big deal. Just get over it. Or if they try to fix it for you, that's another thing. You don't want a friend that's trying to fix things for you. You want to find the friend or the person who could simply hold space and what that means to hold space is to hear what you have to say, not try to fix it, not try to tell you you're wrong or or anything, and who will just be understanding and be like, yes, 
That makes perfect sense. I totally get it. So it takes a certain amount of emotional maturity to find people like that. And that's why sometimes it's just easier to find a coach or a therapist. If you have somebody like that, <laughs> latch onto that friend. You want them. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and they, and they also have to be willing to be that person for you once they realize that 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 is it. Okay, so we talked about, and again, like if you find that person, great. But what are some other mistakes, or what are some common mistakes that people make outside of latching onto the wrong wrong person? Right. That, <laughs> that when making when dealing with procrastination and imposter syndrome like what are some of the mistakes you see that just you see them perpetually happen you're like uh let me warn you about these things a lot of it has to do with certain thoughts that trigger the fear the anxiety etc uh probably the worst thought that human beings have is, is that i have to do this or i should do this or it needs to be done um cuz think of how terrible that feels and it feels very disempowering it's also not even true because the reality is that there's nothing that you think you have to do or should do that has to or should be done. You think you need to pick up your kids from school? No, there's plenty of people who don't pick up their kids or feed them or even house them. Um, there's plenty of people who don't pay their taxes. <laughs> there's plenty of people who don't clean their house. There's plenty of people who don't even own a house. So you want to really question, the, the, probably the one mistake is that we we tell ourselves we have to do it. And that triggers a lot of anxiety and fear. It's also not useful because what happens is when you say I have to or I should, you have no, it's like in order for you to be able to say yes to something, you have to know that you can say no. And when you can say no, then you can really choose, yes, I want to do this. I choose to do this. I get to do this. I choose to clean my cat boxes. <laughs> even though I don't want to, because I want the outcomes of it. But I certainly don't have to. I could just let the poor cats do that, and then they're going to do whatever they want. So that's kind of an important thing, is to be able to stop telling yourself that you have to, you need to, you should, you must. Just know that there's always consequences to your choices. But when you can release that you have to, that's where you get your power, and then you can decide if you really want to or not. And then if you decide that you want to, like you're, you're going to choose to do it because you want the consequences of doing it versus of not, now you have your real why that it will motivate you to do it because your real why is like, I'm choosing to do the cat boxes because I like how my house smells. It's so much better. And then my cats won't pee on my clothing that I left on the floor, right? I mean, like... That's a strong why. And I'm more likely to do it than if I'm like, oh my God, I'm so filthy. I can't believe I'm disgusting. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I'm not going to do it because I'm shaming myself and I'm going to spiral. Oh my, yes. Yes to, all, <laughs> yes to all of the above. If all of you could see me. So we're we're recording this via Zoom. And if you could see me, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I know that the listeners are going to find that incredibly helpful. So thank you for, for giving that. So if... So I, as we start to kind of wrap up here, what are some tools or methods people can try right now if they feel like this is a problem? So I think we talked about a couple already, which, you know, which was find the right person to talk mm -hmm. to or about it. Look for the signs, the warning signs and or the uh, that it's already happening, like shaming and you're in this perpetual circle. But what are some other methods, tools that you would recommend to a listener that they could do and take a take action on right now? Okay. So I do, I, I, I offer this a lot. Like I actually have a freebie, a free uh, procrastination protocol, like how to 
break procrastination. I can give the link to people, but I'll briefly describe what that is. The, the key thing is there's two steps to this. The first thing is that when you are triggered, you, you want to stop the anxiety and the fear. So in order to do that, you have to have awareness that you are procrastinating or that you're spiraling. So you just want to begin to start having awareness of what that looks like. It's going to be, again, some of those thoughts like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to get this wrong. If you're feeling anxiety, if you're avoiding the stuff, uh, those are all going to be good signs. Uh, one of my signs is I'm really short with my husband. And then he starts pointing it out. And then it's like, oh, I must be avoiding something or I start eating. So the first thing is in order to be able to notice and name that it's happening, you want to just get really good, get, you know, be on to yourself. What are the signs that I know that I'm spiraling into this procrastination? So when you know that sign, the thing is, after you notice it, you want to name it. Why do you want to name it? You want to name it because that creates disassociation between yourself and the thing. It takes you out of it. You're now the observer. You can be like, huh, I just realized that I am avoiding doing that thing by eating this or by doing that. I am avoiding that thing. That is already going to drop your anxiety level a bit because you just named it. And then the next thing, once you've noticed and named it, you want to create some release of the cortisol in there. Because uh, that's what animals do when 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 they notice they're they're un, they're safe they're unsafe they get all triggered and they get cortisol and adrenaline they freak out but once they go to safety they shake it off you could literally shake it off like you could literally just like kind of shake your body once you noticed it there's uh there's other methods that I teach that you know if you follow me I can teach you all sorts of things uh, some of it if you know EFT emotional freedom technique or tapping that'll release it you just tap your way through it and be like oh. I'm releasing this anxiety over that thing that I that I feel like I need to do. So once you've released that, then then you can start asking yourself the question. Uh, that first question is like, do I even want to do this? Because it's not a should or a have to. Once you've decided yes or no, uh, it's very useful to just ask yourself, uh, why do I want to do it and why don't I? And then make a decision. And then if you decide you're a yes, then you're going to ask yourself, uh, the questions to get your brain answering smart things. And that's going to be, what do I already know about this thing? And then you're going to ask it again. What else do I already know about this thing? And what else do I already know about this thing? If you're thinking about taxes, for example, what else, what do I already know about taxes? What else do I know about it? What else do I know? You're going to write them all down. If you've decided, yes, I want to do my taxes. I choose to do my taxes. Your next step would be write down all the things you already know. And in the process of doing that, you're priming your brain to look for how smart you are. That creates safety. And then it will become obvious the next step, which is what's the next smallest step I can do now that will take me five minutes to start working on that thing. Whatever your brain tells you, you go and do it. And then it's rinse and repeat. You keep consulting your brain. If you get triggered again, you notice and name it, you tap, you do whatever. And that's all it is. It's like constantly you were just going to interrupt the anxiety, notice the name it, and then ask your brain a smart question, decide, and then do it. I love that. And one of the things that has always attracted me about you and your methods is that you simplify it and you have different ways of dealing with, you know, depending on what it what it's it is that you're talking about, but you have different ways for people to work through it. And um, so if you haven't gotten to know Susie, you definitely want to, because it, I mean, that's the entire podcast here, right? It's 
doing things differently, trying it differently, because there's always a way, there's always a way. And most importantly, there's always a way for you to make it better. Like it, it, that has to work for you. And so that's something that I've always loved about um, when you talk about right. this, like, okay, let's simplify it, identify it, and then work through it in small bites and not just over, not just oversimplify it, but actually like simplify it for people. So it's easy to digest and do and understand, which I really yeah, appreciate. I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way. Cause I do it. And that's the thing that this is all based in science. The things that haven't worked for you in the past haven't worked because they don't take into account the nervous system. And once you take into account the nervous system, you're golden because you will never be interrupted or stuck again. You will always know how to get out of it. And that's the promise I make. And that's what I help all my clients with. So I really love this work because I think it's going to make a difference for so many people who have so much stress and, you know, they spiral into shame and they blame themselves. And it's just because they don't know that that's their brain and their nervous system is just trying to protect them when it tells them to hide. Because it matters for us as animals to fit into the cave. And once you understand that, and I, you know, you learn how to you notice, name it, interrupt it, so that your brain and your body knows there's not a real tiger at the door. It's just my taxes. Then you get to use your brain and figure out the best solution for you. No more shaming. No more shaming. I love it. Okay. All right. So something we ask about with all of our guests is what is your favorite magazine to read for either business and or pleasure and why? And of course, oh, where can gosh. people reach you? Okay. So my favorite magazine is whatever trashy magazine happens to be at the newsstand when I'm going to fly on a plane. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I used to love people, but it's a little too trashy now. Like just, you know, although I won't lie, I, I will read it on my Apple phone, you know, on the Apple app. With So I, I tend to, I will tend to read um, Vanity Fair articles. I will tend to read people if there's something good on the cover. And I, it's just in general, something that strikes my fancy about somebody that I like or something interesting to me. But, um, but I, I, uh, I, I used to have a subscription to runner's world back when I used to run, but I don't anymore. <laughs> I hope that helped answer the question. Absolutely. It's whatever. Yeah. Whatever piques your interest. Okay. And where can people find you? You can find me at, uh, www.lifecoachsusie.com and that's, uh, life coach. And then my name is S U S I E.com and love to connect with people on social media. You know, uh, if we go to the website, you will see all my social media icons on the top, right? Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Susie. It was a pleasure having you here. I'm grateful that you were able to share, um, your, you know, your wisdom with us and some of your tactics. And I hope that our listeners found it just as helpful. Um, and thank you again for your time. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to the Organized and Productive Podcast with the Organized Flamingo. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. It helps with letting people know that we're here. For full show notes and resources, head on over to theorganizedflamingo.com slash podcast. Happy organizing.